Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And while you are turning to Matthew chapter 5, let me just say how great it was to, as we entered into our second phase of, of reopening in terms of the doors and the building, as uh, this past Wednesday night, um, our encounter students uh, were back in person worshiping. And, uh, and, when, and we had our adult Bible study back in the fellowship hall. And uh, what an incredible time that we were able to gather together. And so, of course, once again, that continues this coming Wednesday night. Uh, our encounter students will begin keep groups at 640, service at 7. And for our adults, the Bible study will begin in the fellowship hall at 7. And as our encounter students have uh, um, on Wednesday nights, the sanctuary gives them the flexibility that they need in terms of worshiping and being able to encounter God. And, and so I encourage you to, to, to join us this Wednesday in person. And of course, uh, as always, our Wednesday night Bible study will be uh, on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. and then uh, shortly thereafter uploaded to YouTube. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to kind of re-jump or jump back into our Beatitudes and, Lord willing, possibly uh, as we look to what it is that God has to say to us after um, looking at uh, over these last couple of weeks, we want to jump back in. In Matthew chapter 5, this begins the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' initial um, declaration of the gospel, and, and this is what he says in verse 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God, I thank you and I praise you for your word. And that God, that as we dive in this morning, that God, that your word be, continues to be this light that shines in the middle of the darkness. That God, that directs our past, that leads us in, in what it means to live out the Christian life. And so God, oh, for these next few moments, that God, that you will open up our eyes and hearts. That you will encourage us, oh, in those things that we need to in, continue or to do better in it. God, that you will challenge us, God, in those those areas that maybe that have fallen by the wayside or those reminders that we need to oh, pick back up, God, and, and living out and letting your light shine in us and through us, God. Lord, I just pray that your anointing will be upon us in these next few moments as you speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. When we talk about pure in heart, one of the things that, uh, that we, or at least my mind initially at least goes to, is the idea and the thought of, uh, of children. There is something innocent about young children, and, and there, sometimes their naivety, but uh, there certainly is a purity in, of their hearts 
uh, or so it seems. And so I wanted to share just a kind of a, a little bit about uh, letters from these innocent and pure in heart children, letters to their pastors, and uh, share just a few things uh, that kind of gives us a glimpse. Maybe this is what pure in heart looks like. Uh, Uh, Arnold, age 8, says, Dear Pastor, I know that God loves everybody, but he surely never met my sister. Pete writes this, age 9, says, Dear Pastor, please say in your sermon that Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. Sincerely, Peter Peterson. Robert, age 11, says, Dear Pastor, my father should be a minister. Every day he gives me a sermon about something that I should be doing right. Patty, age 8, says, Dear Pastor, I'm sorry I can't put any money in the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Could you have a sermon about a raise in allowances? Stephen, age 8, says, Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. Laureen, age 9, says, Dear Pastor, I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved it to Disneyland. I'm game. How about that? No. Uh, Alexander, age 10, says, Please say a prayer for our little league team. We need God's help or at least a new pitcher. Carla, age 10, says, Dear Pastor, uh, are there any devils on earth? Because I think there might be one in my class. And all the teachers went, just maybe. No. Ralph, age 11, says, Dear Pastor, I liked your sermon on Sunday, especially when it was finished. And Marie, the last one, age 9, says, Dear Pastor, how does God know the good people from the bad people? Do you tell him, or does he just read about it in the newspaper? Interesting question that we ended there with. How does God know the good people from the bad people? I can go ahead and tell you that it's not your pastor that is submitting a list to God that is uh, telling on anybody, because we understand that God sees and knows everything and everyone. And as we read and hear some of those statements, and maybe we realize that the children are not as pure in heart as we would like to believe. I I heard it said one time that uh, children are simply adults just in smaller bodies, or we could even flip that around and say adults are just children in bigger bodies. And so what we find is that this idea as we look to the Beatitudes and as we look to this declaration are blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. We begin to ask ourselves what exactly does this mean? What does this idea of pure in heart mean? To kind of bring us up to uh, the current uh, situation of, our, of this Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Let me just kind of remind us uh, of where we have already been. We have, as we looked into the beginning of the Beatitudes, we recognized that the first three were all about us emptying ourselves out. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. 
blessed are the meek. And those three became a declaration of an emptying ourselves out. And, and in fact, within that, as we empty ourselves, that, empty ourselves out, God declares that he will that we shall be filled. Uh, of course, out of those three becomes this, what is it, are we going to fill ourselves up with? We hunger and a thirst for righteousness is what God says that we should fill ourselves up with. And, and so as we do that, that is where we find this emerging strength. That is where you refine that emerging encouragement in place where we need to be. And out of that, there emerges, out of that strength of a hunger and a thirst for righteousness to fill ourselves up, we come to these uh, these these next three where we see blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the peacemakers. These blessings, these last, these three in particular that we look at, and we were, uh, we looking, we're going to look at, Lord willing, two of them this morning. In fact, the analogy that we began with was this idea of a tree, that if we were going to have a tree representing, uh, representing the Beatitudes, we would say uh, that those first, the poor and blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. That becomes the roots of the tree. They, uh, they provide this, this grounding and this foundation uh, that everything else is able to come out of. And then the hunger and thirst for righteousness becomes the trunk or the, of the tree and the strength uh, that is able to be present. And, and then out of that, then we come to these three, uh, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the peacemakers. And this becomes the fruit, the sweetness of life, the fruit of the blessings of God that we get to be able to experience such great things in him. And so if we realize this and we understand this, then we have to be able to say, God, I if I want to be able to experience the blessings of God, and specifically, I want to be able to be able to see God and I want to be able to be called a, a son of God or a daughter of God that I've got to be able to understand what it means to be pure in heart and what it means to be a peacemaker the pure in heart I love how the amplified version says it this way in Matthew chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 it says blessed anticipating God's presence spiritually mature are the pure in heart those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. Blessed, spiritually calm, with life, joy, in God's favor, are the makers and the maintainers of peace, for they will express His character and be called the sons of God. This moment that, you know, of what it means to be pure in heart. Those with integrity, those with moral courage and godly character. And I want to kind of uh, look at this. And, and one of the interesting aspects, if you notice, that one of the things about the amplified version is that it, it gives, uh, and with, from the Greek to the English, it gives alternate uh, or other ways to interpret or translate certain words. And if you will notice, in verses 8 and 9, the amplified in verse 8 uh, has in parentheses there, blessed or anticipating God's presence or spiritually mature. But in verse 9, uh, there in parentheses, it says spiritually calm with life joy in God's favor. 
all of those become a translation of blessed or blessings. And, and I want to uh, begin, and the title even this morning is called Blessings, because I think that when we realize and we understand of what God is leading us and what God is wanting us to be able to fulfill, it means that we come to this place of saying, God, let me be spiritually mature. Let me be able to experience this spiritual calm. Let me experience this life joy in God's favor. Let me be able to know oh, that I am in anticipation of God's presence no matter what may be going on in my life. As we reflect on and we look around the events that our nation has been experiencing, not just the last couple of weeks, but uh, over the last several months. 2020 has been, it's been a year of the ages. And we're just now at the beginning of June. I mean, when we reflect on and we think about everything, it, it's, it's one of those things that if Hollywood were to write a script uh, about this uh, year, uh, we would all say it's science fiction, it's fantasy. And in fact, uh, the other day on television, there was a, a movie that had come on uh, called 2012. And it was, uh, the movie was all about uh, the earth's destruction and everything falling apart and they had to build an ark and save the world. And, and, and I saw that and I thought, you know, in 2012 we thought that was the most far-fetched thing that could ever happen. But way 2020 is gone, that would just be one more normal occurrence for this year. Let's not, but that's how you almost would react and feel. But what, what is amazing about this is that we as Christians, we have to ask ourselves, how do we respond in these moments? And last week we talked specifically about that silence is being complicit when it comes to racism and that God is very clear that racism is sin. Murder is sin. And that as we reflect and we look to those things, we have to be able to say, how do we as Christians weather the storm of the circumstances of this world? And what I love about this in the amplified version, the description of what it means to be blessed, it means that we are anticipating God's presence. It means that no matter what is taking place, no matter what is happening, it means that we're going to come to this place of saying, God, I can't wait until you show up. I'm on the edge of my seat. God, waiting for you to do something when coronavirus and, uh, hits and we're in the middle of everything that we're going through in the pandemic. I'll go ahead and tell you oh, that I was. I was I'd said it multiple times. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in the middle of all this. I was anticipating God's breakthrough in an incredible way. Oh, and when as we faced these events over the last couple of weeks and the unrest and the, and the rioting, I, I still I stand here this morning and I say to you, I am in anticipation of what God is going to do in the middle of what the enemy has intended to bring about harm and destruction. Oh, that God is going to show up in a mighty and incredible way. And so, God, I come this morning and I say, oh, come, meet with us, surround us. Let your blessings, oh, come upon us as we anticipate your presence and your breakthrough. He says that, and here, blessed, anticipating God's presence, but spiritually mature. In this, and in verse 9, spiritually calm. You ever know those people in your life that uh, just, they react rather than respond? And the reality is, is that all of us in various times and, and seasons are guilty of this 
difference or this distinction. A reaction is one of those things where when something happens, all of a sudden we just kind of explode or we come unglued or we come in this moment of where we are uh, reacting. Think nuclear reactor. We kind of are having that kind of moment, even panic or fear or, or anger, whatever the case may be. Oh, but God says that we are be blessed if we are spiritually mature or calm. And I think that there is the moment where we find our, I don't want to be a reactor, but God, I want to be a responder. God, I want to be someone who responds to the circumstances, but I want to do it in such a way that it demonstrates a calm and a maturity that is in you, that is in your word. And and there becomes the very idea of what it means to be able to say that we have the blessings of God in our life. You see, sometimes when we talk about blessings and what it really means, that we think it's all about being favored, highly favored in God. And that is part of this. We notice there in verse 9, it says that blessings is is that uh, life joy in God's favor. But I don't want us to get so focused on just, God, you give something to me, where we remove ourselves out of the equation of saying, what is our role in experiencing the blessings of God? We see that here, and and God, uh, Jesus declares this time and time again. He declares it uh, eight times here. Blessed are blank. And so he says, blessed are the pure in heart. It's interesting when we think about blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And here, we, we, I have to be able to say that, God, we need to have a pure heart. That we need a pure heart to be able to say that we want to see God. A pure heart is an undivided heart. A pure heart is a heart that is washed clean. And as Christ washes our heart, it is there that we gain a fresh love and a new interest in Him. And when we find this fresh love and this new interest in Him, that is when we see God. And where is it that we're going to be able to see Him? Oh, there's three things, really, very quickly. We're going to have a renewed interest in His work. We're going to have a renewed interest in his people and we're going to have a renewed interest in his service or in service to him. What can we do for God? Where do those things rank within our hearts? Where do those things rank within our lives? Oh, are we living out what this, uh, because when he cleanses us, when he washes us, when we have that purity of heart, oh, our heart should be ready to cry out and to be able to say, God, I want to be able to experience the sweetness of your word. I want to experience the, oh, the joys of being with your people. And God, I want to be blessed in being able to give of myself in service to you and in service to your kingdom. It's interesting when we think about salvation, when we come to know Christ as Savior. In fact, this past week, I got to pray with a gentleman in my office, and he received Christ as his Savior for the very first time. And and we say, praise God for what God is doing. Amen. And so this reflection upon salvation, it is the beginning of our faith. But what is that heart? That we have? What is it in essence that we are declaring when we come to Him in salvation? It's in that moment that we are beginning our journey of faith. It's in that moment that we are declaring to Him. It's as if we're saying, if before we prayed that sinner's prayer, it's like we have this mental conversation where we say, if I was in Christ, was in me, 
I believe that Jesus can make my heart clean. Somewhere in there, that thought process has to happen in every single one of our lives before we pray the sinner's prayer. We have to have this declaration or this realization of saying, God, I have messed up my life. I can't do it by myself. And I believe, though, that with you, that not only can you cleanse my heart, but that, God, that you can strengthen my life and you can help me through no matter what I may face. And when we have that realization and we confess that, there is the moment where we are able to say, God, oh Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. Come into my heart and forgive me of all that I've done wrong. And in that moment of salvation, we are beginning this journey of what it means to have a heart that is pure, a heart that is clean. And that purity of heart is not by our own effort. That purity of heart at the moment of salvation is because of the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is there that we say, God, I need you more than I need anything else. You know, when Jesus was here walking the earth, there were men who believed that they had this pure in heart thing figured out. There were men who believed that they had the right regulations and rules and laws that were going to allow them to have a pure heart. We would know them or call them as the Pharisees. But Jesus, when he's talking about the Pharisees, he compares them to whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tombs means that they're beautiful on the outside, but they're full of death and stench on the inside. Pharisees, they focused on outward purity. They focused on hand washing and ritual baths and strict rules for the Sabbath. They focused on all these things, but yet they as a whole did not focus upon the inner side, the inner man, the heart. In fact, James chapter 4 and verse 8 says this. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. Leave that up there for just a moment. And as we reflect upon that description, because that double-mindedness was a great description of what the Pharisees lived out. Being so focused and so concerned about the outward appearance and the outward shell and what other people were going to see, that they lost sight of what it was that God was looking for and that tender heart, that sincere heart, that purity of heart. And God wants us to have a pure heart and allow the pure heart that is in God to regenerate and allow the outward appearance to reflect what's on the inside rather than it being the other way around. Oh, but we as humanity, we find ourselves we get so distracted by our pride and by what other people will think that we forget, oh, that it is God who looks at the heart and it is man who looks at the outward appearance. Oh, I'm reminded of Moses and the purity of his own heart, that he was able to see God on the mountain, or at least the backside of God. And, and we reflect upon him being able to see his glory. And in Revelation, we see that God promises us that there will come a day when we who will love Jesus will stand before him with a purity 
pure heart and we will get to see him face to face and what a glorious moment that will be and so we have to come this morning and we have to ask ourselves am I more like the Pharisees where I'm more focused on the outside and the purity of appearance or am I more focused upon allowing my heart to be pure before God and before God himself oh you see because if we're pure in our heart it means that we're going to number one we're going to listen to God we're going to be able to say God I want to listen to you in prayer God I want to listen to your word and that God whatever it is that you say to me I want to hear it oh because if God in his purity and the very definition of what holiness is all about it means that we're going to say God I'm filling myself up myself up with you and your purity and your holiness and so I've got to say God I'm listening to you more than I'm listening to anything else in my life as I listen to God oh and I immerse myself in God's word oh that means that I'm going to come out of that with an admiration and an adoration oh to be able to say God I'm worshiping you I'm going to worship you in your glory I'm going to worship you in all of your fullness and I'm going to gaze upon you in everything that you are and who you are to me it's in that moment that we be able to say oh I've immersed myself in his word and listening to him and then I'm able to say God I'm worshiping you in all of your glory and when I have those two moments creating a purity of moment in my heart oh there is the drive within veer through no, no matter what the circumstances are and to spiritually continue to get up even if I mess up even if I make a mistake even if I fall I'm going to say God I'm going to persevere for you I'm not going to run away I'm not going to hide like Adam and Eve in the garden but God I'm going to come running to you and say God I'm persevering because every time that we say yes to sin in our life it strengthens its hold upon us and this makes the next temptation even that much harder oh but when we come to God and we say no to sin we say yes to God and say no to sin we weaken the power and the hold of sin within our lives and then we make our own spiritual fight and our spiritual position in the fight against sin that much stronger we become that much more powerful why because we're not doing it in our own power and our own might but we're doing it by the Lord's strength too many times we try to create this purity in heart all by our own effort and our own doing but the reality is is that we need God we need his word we need worship we need to persevere we need to be able to say God move upon me it's in these kinds of moments that I'm encouraged and reminded of the psalmist who declared in Psalm 51 10 oh create in me a clean heart oh God and renew a steadfast spirit within me create in me a clean heart that is where we find ourselves living out the blessed life and being able to see him and the second thing that we look at this morning is blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And this is this terminology is not exclusive of ladies humanity in the sense that we are able to be declared that we belong to him. Blessed are the peacemakers peacemakers you see will be called says that they will be called sons of God in other words they're going to be called what they already are sons and daughters of the king it's interesting when we think about sons of God it is a uh, if we go back to that 
amplified version, it said that they will be called or express his, called sons of God and express his character. As David and John Eric, David is now 17, John Eric is 14, and and when we really reflect upon them, there's so many times that uh, others or even ourselves will look at one of them and they will either say something or do something that will be like, that's me. Or that's Tina. Or that's their papa. There become these traits that without them even realizing that they become this embodiment of the genetics the dna that is within them and what is incredibly joyful about that is that when we see ourselves in them in some ways when it's the good things we celebrate it and we go woohoo and then of course when uh, it's something some trait that we're not proud of or that's not a good thing we always blame it on our spouse right we say that, that there's that's someone else that's far from the truth let me tell you in our case but we understand that they become a reflection of who their parents' lineage is. And so with God is going to declare the peacemakers are called sons of God. It is because we belong to our Heavenly Father. We belong to Him. We are His sons and daughters. We belong to Him. In fact, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, And because we are His children... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. In that moment, you see, the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, becomes ours. And so blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It means that peacemaking is a calling, not just for a few. It means that that peacemaking call is for all followers of Christ. Peacemakers are called sons of God because God himself has peace. Because God himself is peace. Oh, peacemakers are like God because they, we don't stand. Peacemakers don't stand in their own rights, in their own authority, in their own positions, in their own opinions. Peacemakers are like God because oh, we don't, uh, they don't run away from this, uh, conflict, but rather running towards and saying, God, I want to be used by you to be able to be a voice of peace, to be a peaceful presence in the middle of the adversity peacemakers are like God because oh we love each other oh before we are loved in return and as we go through that description oh being able to run towards the trouble being able to love before we're even loved ourselves and being able to say oh that we're not interested in just uh, exerting our own opinions and our own uh, privileges or rights it's in that moment that we realize we have just described the life of Jesus Christ while he was here on earth So many times that he could have been indignant with the people. He could have been, he could have put them in their place. But he wasn't interested in advancing his own agenda. It was about the heavenly agenda that he had been sent with. He didn't come just to avoid conflict. But no, he went running towards the Pharisees and calling them out. He went running towards the money changers in the temple. He went running towards the trouble. And he was able to insert himself and bring about ultimately a peace that is like none other that this world could never know without him. We think about how Jesus Christ 
loved us before we ever loved him. To even be hanging on the cross and declaring, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. What a demonstration of what really peacemaking is all about. The word peace most commonly gets translated and used is shalom. But I want us to understand that shalom is, and that peace is, the true meaning of that word is more than just an absence of conflict. It's more than just a calm water with something raging or, you know, violent underneath it. You see, shalom is, means that there is, there's the absence of conflict, but it's more, so much more than that. It means that there is this active enjoyment of all that is good. An active enjoyment of all that is good. And when we really be that active enjoyment, I, I, I think about and I have to ask ourselves, what do we do? How do we live out our Christian faith to be able to say that God, I'm actively enjoying all that is good. In fact, Hebrews talks about uh, that we are to strive for peace or strive with peace. Striving means that there's effort. It means that there's work. It means that there's perseverance. It means that we are actively doing something to bring about and to live out that peace. But before we can ever talk about being a peacemaker in someone else's life, we've got to be able to lay down our own unrest. You can't be a peacemaker if you yourself have no peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You see, we've got to lay down our pettiness, our grievances, and we've got to extend peace to others. We've got to be able to pray for those who persecute us. We've got to be able to lay down those offenses. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 even says to us, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We've got to be able to say, if I want to experience the blessings of God, not only am I going to have a pure heart, but I'm going to do everything I can to live out a peace, uh, be in peace with those that are around me. And peace, being a peacemaker doesn't mean that we are pushovers, it doesn't mean that we are run over or, 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 or domineered by other people, but really it means that we've come to this place of knowing that I don't have any unresolved conflict in my heart, in my life, and I want to be used by God to bring that about in others. In fact, in the book of James, it tells us that wisdom from above is first pure and then peacemaking. And so that what we find in and uh, uh, in fact, that's James three seventeen. If you it's that uh, that uh, that wisdom above all, it begins with being at first pure, and then peaceable and gentle. And it's there that we realize that this pure in heart leads us into the idea and the ability of being able to be a peacemaker, experience the blessings of God. Then we've got to be able to say, God, it's not about me but it's about you. It means that we're going to put others before ourselves. It means that we're going to be able to come to this place and saying, God, I want to be peaceable and gentle. 
read a story this week that there was this ship that had run into some storms, run into some trouble, and ended up sinking. And out of that ship and all of the crew, there were two men who survived, two men that actually were good friends. And, and so as they end up oh, finding themselves drifting upon this small island in the middle of the ocean, they, two of them, it was so small, they quickly explored and realized it, and they were both uh, men of, of, of faith and uh, and so uh, they came to this place of saying oh, we're going to divide the island and, and, um, and, and they were good friends but they both prayed a little bit differently their faith was at different points and there was this rivalry even between them and so out of that they began to uh, as they began to pray for rescue and they began to pray for food and they began to go about all that they had to do uh, they divided the island and they had almost this competition between the two of them to verify uh, whose prayers were more effective whose prayers came true first and out of this quote-unquote healthy rivalry or this competition between them, they were praying each day and, and praying for food. And, and uh, God would, uh, ultimately they would find food and they would say, hey, you know, I found food first, so my prayer was more effective. And this competition began to continue to escalate until, uh, and praying for rescue. They had, had shelter and they had food and all this kind of thing. They were praying for rescue. And, and there was this idea that whoever gets rescued first, well, then their prayers are more effective. And so in this prayers, all of a sudden one day, the, this boat comes and rescues the one man. And this one man said, I did it. My prayers are better than his prayers. I won. And so he tells them about his friend and they bring the boat around to the other side of the island where that man's, where his friend's shelter was. And as they pull up and he sees the other man on the boat, he doesn't put his head down in, in sorrow. He doesn't put his head down being dejected. He doesn't put his head down in, in defeat. But rather he begins to rejoice and jump for joy. And his friend who's already on the boat says, why are you rejoicing? Because we're, I, my prayers are what got us rescued and the man just shook his head and said no you don't understand I haven't been praying for us to be rescued I've been praying that your prayers would be answered first and it's in that moment that the very definition of what it means to be a peacemaker that it's not about us but it's about God and it's about others and if we want to be able to experience the blessings of God then we need to be able to say, God, give me a pure heart. And out of that pure heart, let me be a peacemaker for you and for your kingdom. Because it's then, oh, that not only will I see you, but I'll be identified as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That I'll be identified and people will know me because I will be reflective of you as the Prince of Peace. If you would stand with me this this morning and as we begin to really assess and we really look into our hearts my prayer for us this morning is that we will be able to say God help me to be pure in heart help me to be a peacemaker so that I can live out the blessed life will you pray with me and let that be your prayer God I thank you and I praise you this morning oh that God that that we are able to come before you this this morning and that, God, that we're able to, 
God be able to declare that, God, we need you. We need your voice to, to, to be ringing out in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. And that, God, that we are able to, to come to this place of saying, God, let our hearts be pure before you. God, don't let us be found guilty like the Pharisees of being more concerned with the outward appearance and not the, uh, not the innermost being in our heart, God. Oh, but Lord, let us be able to say, Lord, let our, as you search our hearts and as we turn our hearts over to you, that God, that you will cleanse us, you will purify us, and that God, as you do, we will just immerse ourselves in your word. We will immerse ourselves in worship and that, God, that we will be able to come to this place of knowing that, God, you and you alone are the source of all holiness and purity. And so, God, we need your heart. That, God, that, oh, Lord, that we just ask that in that, in that purity of heart, that, God, that you will help us, God, to be able to be peacemakers. To be peacemakers before you. And to be able to say that, God, that you will, oh, Lord, help us to be able to push forward. And to say, God, let us be at peace with you, let us be at peace with one another, and then in that process, be able to be peaceable to all those that are around us. Because God, my prayer for the people here this morning, that God, that those that are watching online, that God, that we will be able to live out your blessings, of being able to see you, to see you in all of your glory, to see you show up, to help us to be in anticipation of seeing you demonstrate in a powerful and mighty way. And as we do, oh God, help us Help us, God. Help us to be able to live out oh, what it means to be a Christian. Let us live out the sweetness of your blessings. To see you and to be identified as your children. God, I pray blessings upon the people here this morning and online. God, I pray blessings of guidance and wisdom. God, I pray for your, uh, your blessings of of anointing. I pray for blessings of joy and provision. God, I pray for blessings of health and healing. God, I pray for blessings of strength and fullness. God, I pray for the greatest blessing of all that God, they will see you. And everywhere that we look, in everything that we do, God, that we will see you. We will see your creation and your goodness. And as we do, God, oh Lord, let us be able to represent you in our community and in our world. God, we love you today and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Aren't you thankful and glad that God instructs us, he leads us, he directs our paths, and uh, I am so thankful for that. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, and uh, don't forget this Wednesday at 6.40 for key groups for our students, 7 o'clock for encounter service and adult Bible study. And, of course, next Sunday we're continuing on, 9 and 11 a.m. God bless you. Um, our ushers are going to be starting from the back. And if you'll, if you, this is your first time with us, if you'll just hang tight for just a moment and, as we release row by row so that we don't have uh, any kind of uh, crowding or anything in the, in the, in the aisle. While you're doing that, turn around, wave at each other, say goodbye to those that are leaving. Say, I'm glad you got to see me. <laughs> so God bless you guys. Love you. Appreciate you.
sizing, folks. Um, the bottles and the fogger are all back in the uh, in that closet in there. So, so if we can start that process in here in the bathrooms.